Well, I came pretty close this morning to not being here in church. I want to tell you this story before I get started. Uh, most of y'all know I ride my bicycle when the weather's good. And when it's cold in the winter, I ride my exercise bike, which is in another little building out here on the northwest side of my house. So I went out there this morning. I got on that thing, put in my hour, got ready to come back in the house, and there's a rock wall right here. So I walked through this rock wall right there by my pickup, by my front tire, a skunk. <laughs> and I don't know who was more scared, me or him. He throwed that tail up, and I thought, boy, this is it. <laughs> but I didn't move, and after what seemed like 30 minutes, he finally decided to turn around and go off. So, One dollar. So, uh, uh, I don't know. That'd be the hard thing to do to call in church and say, I can't be there this morning. I got skunked. <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't. Uh, glad y'all are all here this morning. Appreciate you being here. I really enjoy the opportunity to uh, preach to y'all in, in our rotation. I uh, don't know if y'all noticed or not, but I, for some reason, I always seem to pick women out of the Bible to talk about. Uh, John, you keeping track of this? Uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus used women a lot in the Bible, and uh, some of the key characters that he interacted with were women. So uh, keep that in mind this morning as we uh, talk about our stories that I'm going to bring up. Uh, I'd ask that y'all would pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning, first of all, again, thanking you for the many blessings you give us. Thank you for uh, making that skunk go the other way this morning. We, we just ask that you would be with each of us this morning to receive your word, that my words be your words, Lord. Remove me from the situation and uh, just let me talk to these people through you. Uh, God, direct us now through this service. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I'm first of all going to ask you all to stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about the Samaritan woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. My glasses are not strong enough. He had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan and a woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, 
you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, she said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I, gave, I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. You may be seated. Now before I get started here, I'm going to go ahead and finish reading the rest of this story so we'll all kind of be on the same page. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. Uh, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What, what you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, and salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. You know, in today's society, whenever we hear somebody talking about a woman that's been married five times, and living with somebody right now, we assume, you know, she's probably led a pretty colorful life. But after studying this quite a bit, going back and rereading everything, I think we may be getting some of this wrong. We assume a lot of things that the Bible doesn't actually say. So uh, as we look back at our first slide, Mary, can you go back? says down here at the bottom, now he had to go through Samaria. Well, he didn't have to go through Samaria. If you'll click forward to the map, you'll see the little green arrow is the path that Jesus took. And over here on the right is where the Jordan River goes. And the, the main trail that most people went from uh, through Samaria went on the east side and they went along the river, along the Jordan River because it was smooth, it was, you know, there was shade, there was water and everything. 
the path that Jesus took was up through the mountains, right up through the center. So we know right offhand he did not have to go through Samaria geographically. But he did have to go. Because I think the main reason he went to Samaria was to minister to this woman at the well. Now let's talk about that a little bit. About 2,900 years ago, in the, the, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom of Israel, they were split into two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom, the Jews that went to the northern kingdom, and about 200 years after that, they were at war with the Assyrians, and the Assyrians conquered them. And uh, uh, they took the the Jews and assimilated them into their population. And after a few years, of course, the Jews that were in uh, the northern kingdom were forced to marry and intermarry with the uh, Assyrians, and their bloodlines became not pure Jewish. They were exposed to different types of worship, pagan gods, just a whole lot of differences that the Samaritans practiced that the Jews did not. The Jews, in fact, considered them impure, half-breeds, whatever you want to call it. They considered them to be inferior to the Jews. The Jews said, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to go there. And in fact, that was why most Jews, if they went to Jerusalem, they went up, they went around Samaria, they went up the river, to get to Jerusalem. They did not set foot in uh, Samaria because they felt like they'd be defiled if they even touched the soil there, much less be around any of the Samaritans. I mean, they didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. All right, find my place here. So we know that Jesus did not have to go to Samaria. He could have went around, but he went. Now, it's about a 90-mile trip by foot that Jesus was making. And he had made about 40 miles of it when he came to, to Samaria there at the, at the Sychar at the, uh, where the well is. And he was tired and he was hot. So let's go back and look at slide number two. And the scripture says it was about the sixth hour. Well, that's about noon. Uh, that phrase is used in the Bible several times. The sixth hour by their time schedule is around noon. So the sun is already hot and the Samaritan woman shows up to draw water. And of course, Jesus is sitting there. And that tells us several things about the Samaritan woman. First of all, she came in the heat of the day. She did not come in the morning when the other women come to get water while it's cool. She came in the heat of the day probably because, well, they probably looked down on her because of her lifestyle she'd been living. Uh, looks of scorn she could have been experiencing. Uh, you know how... They could have been gossiping about her, and she didn't want to be subjected to all that. So she waited till nobody was there, she thought, and went to the well to get her water for the day. 
And there sat Jesus. And I think this was all part of Jesus' plan. I mean, I think he had it planned this way so it would just be the two of them there so that he could talk to her. Uh, of course, our story here says that she had already had five husbands and was not married to the man she was living with. And uh, she was probably an outcast from the other women, so she went by herself. So even in today's society, now especially in today's society, we might look down on a woman who has been married five times and is living with somebody else, like I said earlier. Uh, but things were a lot different back then. I think that possibly this woman was not judged properly by us. I think something else entirely was going on. Uh, Jewish laws were a lot different back, back then. A man could divorce his wife for just about any reason he could dream up. If he just got tired of her and wanted somebody else, all he had to do was give her a letter of divorce and send her on her way, and he could find him another wife if he wanted one or whatever. It's not like it is now. Uh, also, uh, a woman in those days was kind of like a possession of the man. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about uh, not to covet your neighbor's possessions, and it lists his oxen, his servants, and it lists his wife like she is just a possession, like a, like a cow or a horse or whatever, like livestock. And one of the sole purposes of the women in those days was really, really the main purpose for them to make babies and to raise the house, keep the household clean and feed them and everything. She was almost like a slave, but not quite like a slave. And so uh, it's entirely possible that anything that she could have done anything that caused her husband to divorce her. Now, we don't know actually that she was even divorced from any of those five men. Y'all remember about the Jewish law, if a man, I mean, if a woman marries the oldest brother of a family and they don't have children, then, and her husband dies, then she is obligated, she doesn't have a choice in the matter, she has to marry the next youngest brother. And if they don't have a child and the husband dies, then she has to marry the next youngest brother. And so forth and so on down the line. Now, I believe they, the Pharisees, at some point in time, I think it's in Mark, but I'm not sure, talked to Jesus about this. And I think that this woman was right in that situation that possibly her husband could have passed away and she had to marry a brother, he passed away, had to marry another brother, and still no children. We don't know that she had children if she didn't. Uh, if she was incapable of having children, he could have divorced her. He could have traded her for, off for somebody else, that, somebody that could, another woman that could have his children. We don't know. We don't know what, what it is, but the Bible does not say that she was divorced. It just said that she had been married five times. 
And we just assumed that she had been divorced five times. Now also we know that in Jewish law, uh, it's expressly forbidden for a woman to talk to a man in public, like her and Jesus, unless this man is her husband or a close relative. Otherwise, she's forbidden to speak whatsoever. And uh, uh, then uh, Jesus shows up. He comes and sits at the well. Here comes a woman. And what does he do? He crosses social barriers. He crosses race, the barrier of race, because she's a Samaritan. He crosses the barrier of sex, because she's a different sex. She's a woman. And he starts talking to her. And at first she takes offense. She said, you're a Jew. You expect me to get you some water? What are you going to drink it out of? You don't have anything to pull the water up out of the well, nor do you have a cup for me to put it in. And you and I, we're not going to be drinking out of the same cup. That's just not going to happen. And uh, uh, Jesus tells her here in uh, verse 10, he said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. So he piques her interest a little bit here. What is this living water? She's still thinking physical thirst. I mean, they have to have water. They don't go into the kitchen, turn a tap on, and fill the sink up, or do their laundry or anything like that. If they want drinking water, they have to go draw it from the well. So she's thinking, boy, if I had this living water, I wouldn't have to come up here every day and face all these other people, all these other women uh, that are talking about me. So she said, Sir, what is this living water that you're talking about? And she's still thinking about the physical sense. Jesus told her, he said, Everyone who drinks this water in the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. He's talking about spiritual water. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So the woman's about to decide, hey, I want some of this. Whatever this is, I want some of it. So she said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Well, she's not quite connected with him just yet. She's not on the same page. They're talking about two different kinds of thirst or water. He's talking about spiritual water. She's talking about physical water to, just to drink. He told her, he said, go, to, go call your husband and come back. And she freely admits and tells him the truth. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus already knew that because he said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. So she's wanting this living water, although she really, at this point in time, is not understanding what it is until 
this final verse when he says, the one who you are talking to is he. He reveals himself to her as being the Messiah, the one that's coming back. And, of course, the story goes on where she goes to town and, and becomes an evangelist and got, gets all the people from the town to come out and visit her but, or talk to Jesus. But I'm going to stop here on, on this, this statement here and uh, kind of relate this to our lives. You know, all of us, every one of us in here, uh, are kind of like that Samaritan woman. I mean, we may not have been married five times, but some of us have been married more than once, and some of us have been married more than twice. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that Jesus was pointing out to her that all this was a sin. I think he realized that the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, was a sinner just like all the other people that he encountered, and he was offering to her salvation. This water, this living water that he was offering her came from him, from Jesus. A spiritual quenching of the, a quenching of the spiritual thirst is what Jesus offered to her because he knew that she needed it. I mean, he, I feel like he made a special trip up through Samaria, Samaria just to make contact with this woman at the well so that he could offer her the Holy Spirit. Now, he goes on to say that uh, the time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. We are not bound by any temple nor any other place to give praise and worship to our Father in spirit and truth. Now, how is that important to us? Well, the Jews, when they wanted to worship in the southern kingdom, they had to go to the temple in the same way with the northern Jews. Uh, we're not bound by that here. We worship our God every day and not just in this church. In our daily lives, as we, as we go about our daily business, we pray before our meals, we worship Him, we try to make our actions reflect Jesus' love, we help people. Uh, and that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. It's not about showing up and sitting on the front pew in the church on Sunday morning and putting a lot of money in the offering plate, but then going out the rest of the week and living a sinful life or uh, one when you have opportunities to help people, but you don't do it. You turn your back on them. Uh, it's a lifestyle that Jesus wants us to take, to worship him, to, and I've said this uh, several times that I've been preaching. Y'all take your hands and hold them up in front of you right now and look at them. These two hands are the hands that Jesus uses to get things done. These are the hands that Jesus uses. He depends on us to do his work. He works through us to help others. And I think that important for us to realize 
that, uh, well, let me back up here. We don't have to go to church in order to worship the Lord. We're, we're free from that like the Jews are bound to. They feel like they had to go to the temple. We can worship God freely wherever, whenever we want in this country. And we, we do it freely. I talk to him all the time. Uh, there are three main things I want us to take away from this message. And I've kind of underlined these. Sin, even though we assume that this woman at the well lived in sin, sin is not, the word sin is not mentioned not one time in this story. Not once did Jesus talk about her sin or say that she is sinning. We simply, because of our culture today, we assume that she was sinning with these men. Number two, he didn't offer her water to make her clean. He offered her living water to quench her spiritual thirst because she was looking for something. I mean, we can all agree on that. She was, if she was at the well by herself, she was lonely, she was outcast, she, she needed God. She, didn't, she knew it was coming because of her Jewish background, but she didn't know where he was or when he would come. She had no idea that she was sitting there at the well talking to God himself in the form of Jesus. And number three, he never once in this story condemned her for her lifestyle, even if, in fact, she had been divorced three, five times. Jesus met her at the well to show a woman that was hurt, broken, and scarred his grace and mercy. And I think that is the whole point of this story, is that Jesus goes to the folks that need it the worst, the, the sinners, the, the people that are hurt and broken. He goes to them first. They're, he went out of his way. He walked, what, 50 to 80 miles, 90 miles, whatever it was. He walked to Samaria just to see this woman. He knew what she needed. He took off to a forbidden land, uh, talked, broke taboo by speaking with a woman, especially a Samaritan woman, and he offered her his grace and his love, which is just exactly what Jesus does. Now, we all know that Jesus is the same today and I said this last time I was up here. Jesus was, is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He can cross any and all man-made barriers to bring grace and forgiveness to each of us just as he did the woman at the well. We are all sinners. We all have skeletons in our closet. And I think that each of us are somewhat like her, searching for something in our life that will quench our thirst, our spiritual thirst. Nothing can fill our hearts or quench our thirst like the grace and the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I was going to get John to do me a little 
deal there with, uh, uh, y'all remember the Coca-Cola commercial that said it's a real thing? <laughs> Jesus is a real thing, y'all. Can I hear some amens? Amen. I had John digging that pocket. So, Jesus loves each of us. And he gives us free will to accept his love or maybe to turn our back on him if we do. Some of us do sometimes. I guess we all do it. At some point in time, we don't accept what he has to offer for us. But he is always offering to us living water that will quench our spiritual thirst if we'll just take it and apply it in our daily lives. 